In this episode of Life Beyond the Chariot, we are joined with our special guest, Father Bolin, to talk about the domestic monastery and what does that mean? How do we live that out? And how can we order our homes toward the sacred, toward proper relationships with God and others? We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back to our Life Beyond the Chariot. I'm Mickey Siba. I am the catechetical specialist here at the Institute and my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, the director of family life at the Institute. And we are joined by, I don't know if it's say, I don't know if I should say special guest because you've been with us a few times. And my head is big enough as it is. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but Father Bolin <clears throat> has so graciously joined us um, today to talk about the domestic monastery, which I am incredibly excited to dive into. But before we get really deep into this topic and what it means for us in family life, would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Let's pray in the words that our blessed Lord gave us in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us us this day our daily bread, and and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, thank you again so much for joining us. I know that this was a, um, I don't know when you started this, but I know you gave it as a homily to your parishioners. I was preaching on the family. And when you sent it to us to look at, I'm just reading it and my brain is just running. There's so much great stuff in here um, about the domestic monastery. So I really want to sort of unpack this idea. What is it? What does it mean? And we're going to cover a pretty broad spectrum today of just principles. Um, And then uh, we would really like it at the end, also after you listen to this, for our audience to let us know, hey, we'd like you to go a little bit more deeper into this topic, because I do think with each of these things that we talk about, we could unpack it and it could be its own show um, altogether. But, um, so I'm gonna stop rambling so that we can get to- Rambling is my job, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So what do you mean by the domestic monastery sort of, the family's vocation, what would you say? Okay, well, so it basically, and uh, this is certainly not new, I've seen other writers in, in recent years uh, applying this. Um, I just don't know if they've been using that phrase. Actually, I know they've used that phrase, so it's not a, it's not original. Um, <clears throat> but the idea is it's, uh, it's the, the normal phrasing you hear is domestic church, mm-hmm. which is nothing wrong with that, it's good. The reason I like domestic monastery is because I'm very practically minded, right? So domestic church is a good, you know, theological concept, but to, 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 to try and implement that, to see what that actually looks like in practice, in practice, monastery makes more sense because a monastery has um, a, a very clear structure and roles and mission, uh, which uh, the, the Christian family should be also doing. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things, and I don't know why I find this so, I find this appealing actually for two reasons. One is because I need that practical advice because I love like the broad ideas and I get attracted to that and I'm like, okay, now what do I, what do, I do with mm-hmm. all of this you stuff? You can't be alone on that. <laughs> and, um, but also I was able to go to college where there was a monastery on campus and just to see how the monks lived out their life, like we got to join them for prayer, we got to see what they did and there was this, um, just ambiance of peace that existed there. And I do think it's because um, they're living out the things that we are gonna talk about today. And one of the things is um, just uh, briefly about the the vows that they take. So would you like to talk about sort of religious and the evangelical councils? Well, before we do that, let's, let's take a step back and talk about the religious life period because I think it's essential to understanding uh, why this is supposed to work this way. So we often hear about um, Vatican II's universal call to holiness, um, which is of course true, but it's not It's not like it's original to Vatican II. It's not like, you know, in the 60s, suddenly the church decided everyone should be holy. I mean, this is the gospel call to holiness, right? Um, and there was a particular emphasis with that, um, you know, at least in writing, you know, at that right. time uh, in the 60s. But the point is, is that the vocation of the Christian is to holiness, to perfection. I mean, we see that in the in the in the Sermon on the Mount, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there's there needs to be a, a real paradigm shift. Uh, I'm very grateful to Father George Eliot and his understanding of vocation and his own study, which is far greater than mine. Which in our conversations, some of the things that we've talked about have led me to realize that we have to completely shift. Um, our view of vocations. Uh, most people think, okay, the default vocation is marriage, but some people are called to the religious life or to the priesthood. And that's not actually true because it, it's a misunderstanding of what the religious life is. The religious life is the call to Christian perfection lived in a very deliberate way, and therefore the religious life is the default vocation. But some people are called, and many people, of course, are called to marriage and many probably are called to the priesthood from that, from the basic Christian holiness. And then some live that basic uh, uh, standard fundamental Christian holiness in an even more dedicated way by taking vows, but it's still the default vocation. Christ didn't say, if you're not getting married or going to become a priest, then go and sell all you have, give to the poor and follow me, right? He made that a, if you want to be perfect. And so, I think that we really need to have this paradigm, uh, this shift, this paradigm, because it, it affects, I mean, just everything about our Christian life. But for example, like the idea of dating, uh, the way we talk about vocations, the way we just live our lives, and then what we're going to talk about today, how we live as families, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That even if, uh, like, just because I'm a priest doesn't mean that I can and drive a Jaguar. Not that I could ever afford one, but you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's not that I that I should be. Um, uh, accumulating, you know, material goods or doing whatever just because I'm not a, in a part of a religious order, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with families. I mean, they should. Yes, you have a spouse. Uh, you you have a, a romantic love with that, which is which is not available to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have, you know, from that the marital embrace uh, with, with the, the primary goal of of producing more souls for heaven, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I do think that before we talk about anyone else, anything else, it's really important that we have this understanding that this, 
that the religious life, the 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 because the religious life is the cult is the living of perfection, mm-hmm. and we're all called to that. Right. Yeah, you know, it shouldn't be. It's not just monastery monasteries that are monasteries. It's right. homes that are monasteries, rectories in a way. You know, parish churches should be in a way be monasteries. It's all for that the the milieu in which is perfection is sought. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh were you going to say something? I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, well, I, I I think that it really helps to to really change the way that we think about baptism and this call to holiness and <clears throat> and that um, and then at the same time. What I what I was really drawn to with this concept of the monastery is when I think of monastery, I think of an ordered life and it all ordered towards God. Um, but there's like a structure to to the way of life, which almost seems opposite from, from your the life? chaos of family <laughs> life when I think about, yeah, life with our four kids. And I mean, even just thinking of what all we did this past weekend. Not a not really a monastery uh, type <laughs> <laughs> type of of life, but the fact that we are called to and there there is an order to to family life, and when there is the the proper structure or the hierarchy of relationships, um, when everything is in its proper order, everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but really putting it into these terms and thinking of it in terms of vows and a way of life, um, I think this would really helpful um, to folks yeah and that's one of the things I was going to mention too is about like um, in baptism like we are consecrated to God he calls us by name our souls are marked as his and our lives should be different I mean like Mm -hmm. when people see the lives of the Catholic home of Catholics of Catholic priests of Catholic religious but again it's a it's a staple that exists for all of us regardless of the specific state in life that we're in is that we are called by God to be his Mm. and everything about what we do with our space our finances our bodies our time like all that too is should be consecrated to God because right. we have been called by name Preach. and I, I this I get really excited about baptism well and, um, and, and actually you bring up baptism is very important because if you if especially to our listeners who may have not have heard of this before just think about it what is you know what sacrament is received when someone uh consecrates their life to God as a religious. You know, and some a lot of people think, well, it's holy odors. No, that's for the, the, the diaconate, priesthood, and, and episcopacy. Um, no, it's baptism. It's the default vocation. They already have the sacrament they need because it's the life that we're all called to given our particular circumstances. So, no, you're absolutely right with the, the, the being marked for God and all that. And quite frankly, this is definitely where you're going to have to like pull the lever if I say more than just a couple, <laughs> a couple of seconds on it because it's definitely pet peeve. Like the reason our society is in the absolute disastrous state it's in, yeah. and if you don't agree with that, then you obviously have no clue what's going on in the world right now, is because we haven't lived that consecration. We lived too much like everybody else, mm-hmm. and it's time that we reestablish this urgently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. I mean, I think that. Um, as Catholics, when our lives are viewed, people should see the love and the light of Christ. There should be no reason that um, people don't know who we belong to, right? right? That we right. belong to Christ and that everything we're doing is striving for this perfection. And I'm glad that you mentioned it. Like, It is about um, sort of the, the things that we're going to talk about is really living a life of perfection. Like, I am marked as Christ mm-hmm. and his, and so 
I'm really going to try with every ounce of energy that I have in my body to make sure that I am striving toward the perfection that he has really called me to. He's called all of us to. Um, And I think also just knowing that we have been given the the grace to be able to live that out, because mm -hmm. I think sometimes we may we may hear these things and think like, oh, I there's no way I can I can do all of that. But I mean, by by virtue of our baptism, by the the grace of the sacrament of marriage, we receive everything that we need to be Mm -hmm. able to to live this out. So I know. Oh, go ahead. And I know we want to get into some details, but uh, another thing occurs to me that's important to say is that another implication of this, which is super important, is um, to people who are not married. Because um, it's very easy to fall into, and it's been designed, I mean, I certainly think this is an attack of the enemy that's, that's distorted our thinking on this. You know, I'm not living a vocation because I haven't found the right girl or guy yet, and I'm not, I don't feel called to the priest of the real life, no. You know, single people, whether it's because they have not yet found someone or because they have a a circumstance of their life. So whether they are they um, their attractions, shall we say, um, do not tend towards the maritable marit, uh, marriage state be- mm-hmm. because of of, of their, the state they're in. Um, then they need to embrace this mm-hmm. because it is it is perfection and it's good and it's holy. And the people who, again, the ones who are single who may eventually be married uh, or eventually in, end up as a consecrated or a priest should still now live this way, mm-hmm. right? But then also at the other end of life, you know, um, the people who are widows, widowers, they should uh, live this way. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. married couples, you know, with the empty nest. The empty nest should not hit people as hard as it does in some ways. Obviously it does because you love your children and they take up so much of your life. But I mean, it, to just simply then look around and say, well, I don't know what to do now. It's like, well, you just do the things you should have been doing, but more concentrated, right? Like right. You, can, you can now pray all those rosaries <laughs> right. that you keep saying you didn't have right. time for, right. uh, you know, instead of now looking making up excuses by finding other things to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, very good. But yeah, let's let's get into this because I think we're we want to make sure we hit some some concrete things. Yeah, today, absolutely. So. And and I, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I know that we are, we are going to talk about a lot. I mean, to our audience, there's going to be a lot of things thrown out, and it may take a while to just sort of process all of these. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still processing a lot. Like, how how will this look in my home? So just to pray to the Holy Spirit and let him guide you as like you're listening to this um, and jot down things that stand out to you, Mm -hmm. like things that immediately speak to you. Um, But yeah, let's get down to some practicals. All right. So I think you already started, you were gonna mention one of the evangelical councils, which is again, for for those who may not know that phrase, that's the the three uh, vows that are made by the religious of poverty, chastity, and obedience that are um, encouraged by our Lord in the gospel. That's why they're called evangelical. Um, and to which I would also add, um, like, like the Benedictines, I believe it is, that take the, the vow of stability, right, which, which ties in with the domestic monastery as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that you stay put, you don't, yeah. you know, change monasteries, right? Right. So, uh, but yeah, poverty, uh, or uh, you would say for us, simplicity of life, chastity, and then obedience, so. Yeah. Can we briefly go through like each one and maybe what does that look like? What does that look like, or maybe sure, just right. some suggestions? Well, the poverty one, um, the image I always use, and it's a very sad image actually. Uh, I'm not making light of it. Is like when I take communion uh, or go anoint uh, an elderly person, you know, with, with a living spouse or not. Like you go to their home, their, their children haven't been around. Um, 
you know, the garage is jam-packed full. The car isn't in the garage because of all of the junk that's in there. Mm -hmm. There's stuff everywhere, yeah. collectibles, right? Things that they've held on. It's like, no, we don't need this. Like, we don't need to have all these things to be happy, mm -hmm. right? And it's certainly understandable that parents want to provide for their children, you know, uh, which I think is the most excusable lack of poverty in a home is when parents want to, you know, give what's best for their children. But even it's not what's best for their children, you know. So there needs to be a simplicity. Um, you know, we joke about um, sh uh, shoes in the closet or tools in the garage or pick pick whichever one for whichever sex you want, right? right. But I mean, like, but whatever, like, you know, there's, we don't need all this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. our happiness, our lives should not be in stuff. Right. You know. Um, I'm actually going to defer to Deanna on the chastity one because we talked about before, you know, because um, this ties right in with the NFP. Right. right? I mean, there's, right. There's, even even it with a couple that uh, has the marital right, mm -hmm. there is a need for. Yeah. Or just the practicing of responsible parenthood, that right. natural family planning is something that the church gives to us to, to be able to live that out as an option. And uh, but. It's almost like the 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 default is just a, a spirit of generosity and and good discernment, um, but yeah, absolutely, that NFP would fall under yeah. under living that out. Not idolizing the marital embrace, right, right, you know, right. Recognizing the gift of the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and definitely one of the things that you had mentioned, sort of in your homily, which was just, um, and I love it, just like guarding your heart and the heart of your spouse. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things in this world that don't <laughs> do that. Right. I mean. Um, and one of the notes that I made was just like in, in movies that we watch or music that we listen to, like right. there is some things that it can affect one spouse or the other where the other would not even think twice. And so mm -hmm. always being aware of guarding not just your heart, but the heart of your spouse and being mm -hmm. very careful. And I know like for my husband and I, we made um, lots of like talks about, not that we were watching like bad shows, but there, if there was something in like a, a TV series, they were like, mm, we could probably do without that. Yeah. Um, it's It was those sorts of things. And I'm convinced that in those sort of smaller decisions, like I mean, giving up a TV show really is not that big of a deal, but. It's a very to, first world penance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that I think helped purify sort of us in like what, like how we wanted to spend time together. Yeah. Um, Guarding and things, what comes into your home. Exactly. So just my two cents right there. <laughs> and uh, the last one actually ties in very well with the rest of the things we're going to talk about, and that is obedience. Uh, the fact that uh, the fundamental virtue of the Christian life is humility, and obedience is merely humility put into practice, mm. right? Um, and that ultimately... Um, and we can, we may talk about it a little bit, but the you know the 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 very controversial question, of course, of the wise being submissive, the the elbowing reading, as I call it, right? Jesus <laughs> five, yes. Right. Um, but ultimately, that it's all ordered to God, and that yes. if God is not first in the home, mm. nothing else is going to be right. Which is again why we see the situation we do in society mm. as a, in, as a whole, and then so many of our domestic churches. Mm. Yeah. So. No, I think um, I would like to. Well, I think we'll get there, but talk about the, you know, the elbow reading Ephesians 5, <laughs> because I do think there's a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so much truth in the structure of um, the husband as the head of the home and um, him being obedient to God, mm -hmm. you know, the wife being obedient to the husband, children being obedient to their parents. And I know that's 
that's a hard one. Well, it's it's, for, di- it's it's difficult for everybody, but it's absolutely it's the way God ordained it, and so therefore, if it's not done now, obviously, you know, there are a lot of people who deal with um, the circumstance they're in now based off of bad previous decisions, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so that that's where pastorally it becomes very difficult. But taking a step back and looking at it objectively, you know, you see it in the parish all the time. You know, the families where uh, so like the way we do family catechism is that um, everyone's broken up. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but they, everyone's broken up into sectors. They come in uh, every four weeks by sector, right? And when you go into the hall where the catechism is going on, the tables that are doing the best are the tables at which the father is actually present. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. You, you know, seeing the father uh, showing their children how to kneel and pray when they first come into the church, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's just right. the way God established it. And when the man and woman are striving for holiness and respecting God's order and each other, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell, I tell women all the time, the only reason that this reading is a problem is when you marry the wrong man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. marry a guy that you are willing to do this for. Right. If you're not willing to submit to him because he's not submitted to God, because he's not willing to die for you like Christ gave up his life for his bride, dump him, get rid mm-hmm. of him. Yeah, preach it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I think so, that's a good commercial for our St. Joseph episode with um, there you go. with Father Bolin because I think you talked a little bit more about, and this is a good year to, yeah. Oh, yeah. to strive for that. Man up, man. Good, there you go, amen. In a, in a holy episode. way. So <laughs> because of time, here's what I reckon. Let's just do real quick. So because all of this really has to do with order. So right. let's just hit the order real quick and just talk yeah. about this. So when we talk about order, everything in its proper place, and I don't just mean physically, I mean yeah. people and schedule, and then we talked about poverty, so it involves you know time, talent, tre- treasure kind yeah, of thing, right? It's like right. everything in the house in its proper place, in its proper proportion, right? Mm-hmm. So that involves the authority in the house with God at the top, of course. It talks about, we talk about prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, the necessity of work and how the work has to be ordered properly. Um, leisure time, which is essential, mm-hmm. right? What else do we have? We have uh, study. study, that's very important, right? Um, the finances need to be ordered mm-hmm. well and properly, right? Um, the 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 life of the family when it comes to um, uh, fasting and feasting, right? Mm-hmm. And even the use of space, you know. Yeah. So all of it is ordered. Everything is structured in such a way uh, as to be ordered to the greater glory of God and the salvation of those in the house. Yeah. Right. And and just to, to clarify, too, I know that you and you're talking about sort of this way of life um, and calling it the domestic monasteries. Because you said, like, in a monastery, you definitely see these things playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see order, prayer, work, leisure, mm-hmm. study. I forgot some of the other things I mentioned. Um, but but to look at that, and, and that's why it's the dom- domestic monastery, because in monasteries all over the world, mm-hmm they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and i think that that is key is sometimes even i and i'm trying really hard to like be intentional and know what i'm doing but some days i wake up i'm like what am i doing what am i doing today (laughs) but the thing is it shouldn't be a question for me it shouldn't be a question like there should be like the order that has established that does take work and it takes effort and it takes communicating with your spouse and clearly explaining the order to your children and what the expectations are. And ultimately that's the thing that's different, right? So 
And this is why, you know, the marriage prep program is so important mm-hmm. because you don't have time to figure this out once you have children. <laughs> right. You don't have time for anything once right. you have children, right? So yeah. you've got to you've got to have this order clearly understood as you're being prepared for marriage yeah. because the minute you uh, say I do, you are saying I do to having children as well. I mean, it's all part of the process, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, and I'm not even talking about the people who, you know, do things out of order, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. God bless them. I mean, as long as, you know, when they get things back together, that's good. But I mean, but it happens, right? So like, mm-hmm. you don't have time to, to study, learn, get get your head on straight on this. You've got to have your head on straight on this before you right. get married, you know, um, because, you know, children don't come with a manual. Right. right. Even what to expect when you're expecting, yeah. that doesn't doesn't do anything. Right. Right. <laughs> so I know. This, this is what should be in that <laughs> book. So yeah. So it's very important to have a list. I, I would say that probably the most uh, unique thing about this list of things, and I don't think any of this is a surprise, um, but I think the the biggest tension which we want to address uh, is the the cloister part the use of space. So I talked about, you know, I talk about the fact that, you know, every home needs a shrine for the entire family. Every Mm -hmm. room needs holy iconography. Mm -hmm. It has to do the the incarnation and the fact that we're body soul composites and, you know, we need our senses and all that. But also the use of space goes to the fact that, you know, monasteries are cloistered very often, Mm -hmm. right? And the fact is, is that you don't leave the monastery except for something urgent. Now, obviously uh, most Christian homes can't do that, at least in our society. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it needs to be in the back of our minds because what's happened is is that the more the less people work for themselves mm-hmm. and the more we allow the government to take our children in schools, the less influence we have over them, obviously, but also the less control we have over our income, mm-hmm. the less control we have about when we're at home. Mm-hmm how much we're at home, how much our children at home and have an influence over them. And so I think, again, paradigm shift, we need to realize that, um, and I'm not attributing malice. We've got, we have certainly lots of bad people in our school system, um, but we have good people. It's not, I'm not saying that overall, and I'm not saying that the intention of education is bad, but you know, when your your child leaves home at 7 a.m. and after classes and practices and games, you're Ooh. picking them up at 11 p.m., that's not cloistered. Like we have to, we can't be completely cut off from the world, but there has to be a reorienting. I think that the the breadwinner uh, of the family, um, obviously sometimes it has to be more than just the man, but the breadwinner or winners, they need to do their best to work for themselves and work at home if possible. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Corona apocalypse has helped yeah, in that some right. way, right? Yes, you know, um, but uh, but also that the that the the children cannot give all of their time away from the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, they need socialization. Yeah. I'm absolutely for that. And that's where the parish should come in. But yeah. to reorient the attention back at the home, because the home and the parish church are the two central focuses, mm-hmm. uh, should be the two central focuses of a Christian. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I... And I know that I, this is, again, and I have worked for the church ever since I graduated college and I I have bought into the idea, but it is still really hard. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I need to do the best that I can to make sure that my home is a sanctuary for my children. Because when you do, when you think about, they're so impressionable and I have been gifted enough to be able to um, homeschool my children this past year. Um, and just seeing how much I've been able to learn about them and relate to them, where 
you can still do that even if your children go to school, but I don't think I was as aware of it. Um, you know, cause it was just get up, eat breakfast, go to school, come home, do homework, mm-hmm. do chores, um, now go to bed so we can do it, again. do it again tomorrow. And um, it was a fault of me, not necessarily the circumstance, but a fault of me of not really realizing that um, I need to be like proactive in making sure that my home is a place of the sacred, that my home is a place where they find rest because the world, I mean, I find the world exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I loved, because um, at first when I was reading this, I was like, where is he going with this whole cloister thing, you know? <laughs> um, but that you're saying like, our home should be that that place of stability, of sacredness. Like this right. is, we have to reclaim that time. And so often, um, and I worked with high school kids for so long, um, so often when they go home, they would just, uh, do bite be on their phones or there was very little relationship building happening in the homes. And that goes to a lot of things on this list of things that make up the life of the domestic monastery is uh, we certainly want to respect temperaments. We want to respect privacy and things like that. But, you know, everything is both individual and communal. There should be communal study yes. and prayer and leisure, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but then also the individual, right? You know, exactly. Yeah, I know. I was really struck by the the call to, or this the idea of order, because I think all of us just by the way that God created us, we actually crave order mm-hmm. in our lives because that's how I mean that's how God works. <laughs> he has, right. and, and that's how God did the whole creation thing is in a in a very specific order. But I know that even just for our family's life, as as busy and chaotic as it can be sometimes, things are better when when everything is in a proper order and following that desire. And I mean speaking of corona apocalypse and like getting out of this this um the cycle of go to school, drop the kids off at school, go to work, pick up the kids, go back home, eat dinner, bath, Mm -hmm. go to bed, do it all over again. It really highlighted for many people, I think, like the importance of family and being able to to spend that intentional time with our children. Because there is such a temptation, I think, to look for the order outside of the home. Like, oh, well, we just need to do that program. Mm -hmm. And there are some great programs, and there are some great programs that that parishes offer, but it should all feed back into Mm -hmm. the domestic monastery and that it's... um, yeah, that the, the parish is building up the family, the family is building up the parish, and we're feeding each other in that way. Um, but it can be very tempting to think like, oh, well, we just need more, we just need to do another program, or we need to do another activity, and that's where we'll find our peace, and then we'll just come home afterwards. But realizing like, no, God has established us as a domestic monastery, and he's given us what we need to live that out, um, and like falling into that order and recognizing and and really being at peace with the fact that your domestic monastery might have sticky handprints on it sometimes, <laughs> and it's okay, Father Boland. <laughs> it's okay. You might have a really messy couch or laundry that like has has designated piles around the living room, but we're like constantly striving for that order yeah. and, and holiness, and not. I know for me, the temptation can be like, well, I have to wait until the perfect time to focus on these things. But these yeah. are all things that we can focus on piece by piece, yeah, a step at a time. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know we are, man, this episode went by way too fast. But <laughs> even as you're talking, just quickly, one of the things that came to my mind is that all of these really, though, are structured toward relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when we're not, you know, following order, having prayer, um, having work, 
um, doing it the best of our ability, having that leisure, um, using our space, uh, all of these things, when they're out of whack, our relationships suffer. And our relationship with God, which is the most important, our relationship with our spouse and our relationship with our kids. And so, and that's why I loved what you said about like programs. Yes, there's good programs, but programs don't save people, (laughs) right? Jesus did, and he is a person and we have got to get back to relationship. And if there are things that on their face value aren't bad, but they're interfering with your most important relationships, yeah. you gotta get you have to cut that out distraction. until you gotta yeah. get rid of the distraction. Until yep. you can get that order. And then maybe once that order has been set or right, like order of relationships, right? Um, then introducing those things back in might exactly. be a good idea. Or you may say, you know what? We don't need that. But again, I think it does. It boils down to all of these um, things are about relationship with God and relationship with each other. Yeah. Man, there's so much more that we could say, but I know we've run out of time. I think we should definitely We need to have you it. back. <laughs> yes. And actually in the comment, it would actually be very helpful to us if our audience, if this is something that you're we encourage you to pray about it, um, to think about it. But if you're, if you have questions on like, well, how do we implement this well within the home, um, or what are specific things that you want to hear more about? Please leave a comment, um, and we will definitely have Father Bolin back. But we're even just brainstorming before we started mm-hmm. recording of the different types of resources that we could offer, or um, episodes, or a mini series that we could really dive into um, establishing your monastery. Um, or, or yeah, having everything that you need to to live this out well. And um, I know Father Bolin, you were saying like at the beginning of the summer, that's a it's actually a really good time to well, right because there's so suddenly the the major force in most families' lives doesn't exist. Right. And then all of a sudden, well, what do I do? Let's <laughs> <laughs> live that out well. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. So please like subscribe um, to the Saint Philip Institute. Please add. Leave a comment below. Let us know what types of things you'd like to hear about regarding the domestic monastery or, um, yeah, just family, marriage and family life yeah. in general. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll keep that in mind for the rest of the season. Um, visit stphilipinstitute.org to see some of the other resources that we have. Um, but thank you again, Father yeah, Boland. It's always you. a joy and a pleasure. Will you uh, give us a, your blessing before we end? Um, well, I'm just going to commend us to Our Lady. How about that? that I'm a little great. bit afraid of the the sound balancing and, and my stage fright, so I'm not going to chant the Regina Chaley because it's <laughs> <Okay>. But uh, <laughs> let's commend ourselves to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Amen. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.